how does someone in sales get that discipline down to a T on a day-to-day basis? Because there are a lot of good performers who listen to this. Now, you're top of that leaderboard, Brad, so you're obviously doing something right. What kind of discipline? Have you had to make sacrifices to make to have that discipline? Sure. What's your secret? Yeah, I, I need to know the secret because when I went to Jeb for some coaching, he said, be like Brad. So I, I need to know what that means. Um, just for- <laughs> You just got to be relentless. You can't take a day off. You've got a prospect. I fortunately, like right now, I've got a pretty nice funnel, slow moving funnel. So that's been frustrating, but I got a pretty nice funnel and I'm also pretty busy. And I'm always focusing on the new opportunity. I'm always looking ahead. All right, let's go ahead and get started. Let's get started with welcome to the Women Your Mother Warns You About podcast brought to you by Sales Gravy. I'm Gina Tremarco, Master Sales Trainer at Sales Gravy. And I'm Susanna Gray-Jones, Master Trainer and owner of recruitment company Time Search. Awesome. And today we have another master in the house. He is a senior master, not by age necessarily, just by title, (laughs) senior master sales trainer from Sales Gravy. It's like Sales Gravy soup and gravy today with Brad Adams in the house. Finally, welcome, Brad, to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Is this your first time? Yes. It is. Nice. And I made it happen. Can I just kudos to me? <laughs> you you know what? Kudos to you because you are the woman next to the woman because sometimes I can't get things done and you push to make sure things get done. So thank you for pushing it here. You know, in all fairness, I've tried to have Brad on the show before in, in some kind of way, shape or form. Even when I'm at the Sales Gravy Studios, uh, he's a busy guy. He is nonstop. I don't know when he goes to the bathroom or eats, but he is constantly training. And it is hard to get him on the show just because he's so in demand. So I'm feeling, you know, this is kind of a nice, lucky situation. You pushing it, Susanna and Brad being available. Susanna is a recruiter. So you would think that she'd be able to get me on the show, right? So a testament to her greatness there. And Gina, you have tried a lot of times and I hate that it hasn't worked out, but I'm so glad to be on the show today. (laughs) Speaking of recruiter, that was one of the things that uh, we had a conversation about recently, Suzanne and I talking about the fact that you have a recruiter background. I think she was kind of intrigued by that. So I think she might just be looking for free coaching. I could be wrong, uh, but I think that could be a a connection here. And I know she's full of questions for you. So uh, I'm going to let her start. And I usually don't do that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, the recruitment thing is one thing, but I'm I'm actually really keen to answer some of the listeners' questions because we've had quite a few listeners' questions recently. And a lot of those have coincided with a recent poll that I put on LinkedIn. Now, the being in recruitment um, and recruitment for sales, the poll was, what is the main reason that you would choose to leave your job? And I gave them four options. So options were boss or company ethos, money, work-life balance or progression. What do you think out of 250 people so far, the most popular reason was to leave your job? Boss. Yeah. And it was actually 46%, 46%. Brad, you know, obviously I, I know a lot about your background in both recruitment, but also a top performer 
um, for Sales Gravy. Um, you coach a lot of people and you probably trained, how many people do you reckon you've trained in the last year? In the last year? I don't know, but probably 20,000, 25,000 in the past decade, maybe. Wow. Bad. So a, a lot. And I, I thought this would be a great kind of opener to address the listeners' questions around sales bosses and to kind of see what the Brad take on it is. So Brad take. We've, yeah, the Brad take. We've come across a few of these um, already, um, but... I felt that it would be good to get your input. And the one that comes up most is the micromanagement boss. So I work in a sales background, but I am constantly working with a boss who checks everything that I do to the point that I am nervous to do anything because I feel like they're watching over my shoulder. Um, This is really common. What kind of advice would Brad give to that salesperson? Hmm, that's got a lot of layers to it because on on one level, you know, as a leader, you need to inspect what you expect. And so if a leader doesn't look into what the sales rep is doing, then the sales rep may not know the right behaviors to do so that they can sell the most that they can possibly sell. That being said, um, micro, you know, I, I don't really know what the definition of micromanage is, but I, I, I mean, I know what that means, but look, like at what point is it is it diligence and at what point is it is it crossing the line? But I want to back up a little bit because I I actually I was working with a young SDR in San Francisco about six years ago and she came up to me and she said, Brad, what's your why? And I said, What are you even asking me? What is my why? What do you mean? What is my why? And so she explained, you know, like why do you do what you do? What what's your passion? What drives you? And so I, I got it. It's it's a pretty cool saying actually. And I think that when a leader understands the drive and the motivation behind the sales, like, like why are they doing it? Do they want achievement? Or do they have a, an income that they need to get? Do they want to give more of themselves to charity? Do they want to be able to provide for their family um, in a different way? Do they want to be able to put their mom in a, in a nicer you know, retirement community, et cetera, et cetera? There's millions of things that people might want to do. But when you understand what drives and motivates a salesperson, I think it becomes easier to peel the onion back and to look at the things that are the behaviors that they need to do that might feel micromanagey if you don't have that knowledge of what drives that salesperson. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I think there's also, I, I see it from both a salesperson's point of view and a manager's point of view. Because I think one of the biggest things that I come across when I'm recruiting is how do you like to be managed? And they say, I do not want to be micromanaged. Always. I can say like always, it's the first thing. Um, and often if you ask why, you can get quite interesting answers. And it, it comes back to the, why are you in sales in the first place? What is your motivation? And why are you being micromanaged? And why do you not want to be micromanaged? Because I don't know about you guys, I hands up to being micromanaged. <laughs> If I'm not doing my job, someone needs to come and micromanage me to do it and I will run a mile. <laughs> I think a good question too, Susanna, would be not, why don't you want to be micromanaged? I, I might go as far as saying, how do you define micromanagement? Go, because going back to what Brad is saying, that, that's a really interesting point that Brad brings up. You know, Where is the line of micromanagement? But, but how does that salesperson, how do they define micromanagement? Yeah, yeah, 100%, 100%. So, I mean, how do you think this is a thing 
of millennials these days. And I hate to use that word, but do you think that in many ways people are coming into work environments and thinking that they can get all this work-life balance, they can get you know, well, I can create my own targets and we're kind of moving in that kind of direction. Do you think there's something to be said for that? I mean, at the end of the day, sales is a profession that is directly tied to to numbers and success. If you look at a professional athlete, a, a baseball player, if they don't have a certain batting average, then they're not going to continue to work at the highest level. They're going to be demoted. And so the the great sort of neutralizer in sales is is the number. Are, are you driving your revenue number? Are you exceeding your revenue number? There's another challenge in companies is sometimes companies just fabricate numbers that have no basis in reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, some companies have very legitimate targets and goals. And, you know, it, as a sales rep, if you're not able to hit a legitimate target and goal, I think it's the manager's job to, to help you, to, 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 to uncover what's holding you back or if maybe you're just not the right fit for this position. I mean, that's, uh, I'm sure that when people are failing, they feel as stressed out about failing as the managers do about them failing too. So we want to help them and get them to where they need to be. And so um, to answer your question directly, I mean, I think there is a little bit of pushback from, you know, from early career people on getting that, that management technique, but at the same time, they don't have the wisdom to give it to themselves. And so mm. um, it makes sense that that somebody wants to provide it. But I think if they can connect the dots as to why this person is micromanaging them, because I told you earlier that this is my goal and where I want to be, and you're helping me get there via micromanaging, I think, it, I think it's an easier pill to swallow. I think what they ultimately struggle with is when they just don't know why it feels brotherish mm-hmm. and overbearing versus you told me your goals. I'm trying to help you get there. Well, that, that, that backs up everything that Jeb teaches and preaches at sales gravy. When you look at leadership, right? The real value of a leader. When I ask that question to leaders, what do you think your value is? And they, they say all these different characteristics about themselves, but the real value is their ability to drive their team, to drive sales, but then to also be able to align the company's goals with the salesperson's goals. And that requires communication of what the goals are and what the expectations are. I and mean, what are your thoughts on that, Brad? I agree. Uh, I mean, I agree 100%. Um, if, you, if you think about it, when we all ultimately you know, get to the end of our life and we're on, on, those fi- on that final bed thinking about the people that matter to us, um, there's going to be some people that stand out to us that that may not have been our best friends. They may not have been someone that we even like being with, but they were able to get our best out of ourselves through tough love, through motivation, through whatever. And um, and those are the people that that matter to you. I mean, those are the mm. people that really like extracted your vision, they extracted your ability out of you. And it wasn't easy. It wasn't, it was tough. It, you probably hated that person from time to time, but the person who just kumbaya and blow smoke up your backside all the time, that's not a person that you're going to even think about at the end of your life. Ooh, who's Brad going to think about at the end of his life? Oh, I don't know. There's a long Now <laughs> I want to know. Way. Hopefully I will have to, I have to meet some of the people. I love that. I love that, by the way. I love that kind of analogy of thinking of it like that. And it something just clicked with me. Whatever I'm having 
we always talk about whenever we're having like a low moment or we're feeling a lack of confidence in ourselves. I've got this video that I look at when I left my old company and it's all the people saying how much of a difference I made. And one of the people, I'm not just picking myself up here, one of the people who um, made a comment, she said, you're that manager who I'm always going to remember and you inspired me so much. And I watch it every time and I think to myself, mm. she hated me. I was so hard on her, so hard on her. And there was me thinking, well, where was my invite to her wedding? <laughs> you know, and it's, it really says, this is one message, I think, to, um, to all managers actually out there is you're not there to be their friend. They will appreciate you all the more for being tough on them. But exp- what Brad was saying, explaining why, is like when you get emails from that manager constantly saying, can everyone do this? Because I need to get this back to the team by this time. Or I need to get this back to my manager. Let's talk about the why. Why do I need to do this? Why is this going to impact me and my performance supposed to help you, manager, do your job? Um, I know we've, we've come across that point before, but I think one thing that we talk about is mindset that is really important, how someone perceives management. And I think, Brad, this is one question I really wanted to get you on to talk about today because I've seen your training and one of the things that you bring up regularly is time on New Year's Eve when you were doing lots of cold calls and Jeb said, oh, you know, you can go home now. It is New Year's Eve. People will, will be going home. And then what happened? Tell our listeners what happened. So it was, it was actually, not to correct you, but it was actually the day before New Year's Eve. It was the 30th of December. And, you know, regardless of whether you are in the world, um, that sort of week from Christmas to, to, to January is, is a dead week. I mean, nothing happens. Well, I had gotten, I had just created the discipline for myself where I was doing outbound calling every single day without fail, period. And here we were on the 30th. And I knew that I wasn't going to have any success. Jeb walked by. He said, I appreciate what you're doing. Why don't you clean up your CRM? And I was like, now I'm going to do 30 minutes and I'm going to call it a day. And so I made the calls. I sent some emails. I know this is a shocker. Not a single person answered the phone. You know, I'm calling <laughs> America. Nobody answered the phone. I knew that they weren't going to, but I'm like, if, if I take this day off, I'm going to give myself an excuse to take a day off in the future. So I got an email right as I was starting to pack up my laptop. I got a, I got a ding. I opened up the email and it, it said, Brad, it's so weird that you called us today. We were just reviewing our training budgets for, for this year. We realized that we have some budget left over and we have to use it. If we don't use it, we're not going to be able to roll it into next year and our budgets are going to be cut. Can you talk today? And I said, absolutely. I'm a salesperson, right? And so I had a conversation with them. It was a small deal. But we did it. They introduced us to a, an, another division and another division. I did four or five of these divisions. Um, none of it was like a massive needle mover, but it was decent business. <clears throat> but that company was Nationwide Insurance. Mm. And, and Nationwide Insurance in the U.S. is a massive, massive insurance company. And, um, you know, a, a great brand. And, and, and because I got them to give me a testimonial and an endorsement and because I learned what they valued in training, uh, we were able to take our messaging and approach other insurance companies and call on them to try to get their business too. And since then, Sales Gravy has done millions and millions of dollars in training, specifically with insurance companies. Now, wow, I had no idea. I mean, full transparency, I had no idea that they had budget. I had no idea. I was just a just a random cold call. 
And um, the persistence of doing that daily activity every day really, really matters. Like when you do that, you're going to get lucky from time to time. I, I don't, I don't believe in luck. I made my own luck. Had I not have made the calls, I wouldn't have had that opportunity. At the same token, I had no idea that they had a budget. So it was, it was, it was cool. I think one thing that you said at the beginning there, when you told the story is discipline and easy to say it, isn't it? But how does someone in sales get that discipline down to a T on a day-to-day basis? Because there are a lot of good performers who listen to this. Now you're top of that leaderboard, Brad. So, you know, what you're obviously doing something right. What kind of discipline have you had to make sacrifices to make, to have that discipline? Sure. What's your secret? Yeah, I, I need to know the secret because when I went to Jeb for some coaching, he said, be like Brad. So I, I need to know what that means. Um, just re- <laughs> just got to be relentless. You can't take a day off. You've got a prospect. I, I fortunately, like right now, I've got a pretty nice funnel, slow moving funnel. So that's been frustrating, but I got a pretty nice funnel and I'm also pretty busy. And I'm, I'm always focusing on the new opportunity. I'm always looking ahead. I need training for January. I need training for March of next year. I'm always looking ahead to try to establish that cadence so that I can I can stay ahead of the curve. It just comes down to time blocking. I mean, you just you find time every day to do prospecting. You find time every day to do LinkedIn. You find time every day to do the things that you need to do, the behaviors that get you to those results. And I think the other thing is um I'm going to tell you a quick story about recruiting, Susanna. You need persistence and perseverance as well. I reached out to this woman that was in the niche that I was recruiting and she was brilliant. She was just a fantastic, um, just a great person, so good at her job. And like I'm sure you run into all the time, she was like, well, I'm not looking to make a change right now, you know? And, And I said, that's okay. I'm not looking to place you anywhere right now. I just want to get to know you. Had a conversation with her. It went great. Um, and, and, and I, I would talk to her about once a month and I would pitch a couple of new roles that I had and she'd be like, nah, and, and, and I kept doing this 14 months later, she calls me and she said, Brad, there's this role and I know you work with this company. Can you put, can you put me forward for it? Because it looks like a great role. Now as a recruiting firm, we didn't even have that requisition. Mm-hmm. Like they weren't, we weren't given that requisition to, to fill, but because I built a relationship with her, she gave me the ability to, to realize that that's what she wanted. We called the company and they said, we've got a perfect candidate for this. Can we have this rec? They hired her. That was about 10 years ago. Every year on the anniversary of her hiring, she sends me a LinkedIn note telling me how thankful that she is that oh. she took me on in the first place and how thankful that she is that I found her this great place that we worked together and found her this great place because she's so happy and thrilled and it's been a life changer for her family. And da, 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 da. But most salespeople don't hang on for 14 months. They give up after a couple shots. We all have stories about our persistence and, and, and continuing to reach out to people. And I think salespeople are worried about being persistent. Um, yeah. Because they think they're being uh, stalkerish. Yeah. I've got a client yeah. that sells to John Deere, the tractor company. You know them, John Deere? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're the green tractor. Mm-hmm. And they're C-level people. It is a corporate directive that they do not take a meeting with a salesperson until after the seventh attempt. Like, that's what they do. 
And, and, and they rationalize this saying, if they've got, if someone is willing to call them seven times, they have, they must have done their research and they must have something that would be intriguing to John Deere. Interesting. What a, what a great reminder. I mean, I think you're uh, bang on. I think most people are not persistent because they feel pushy. I think where I fall into a problem with that is not feeling too pushy, but I'm like, all right, you haven't responded. I need to move on to the next thing. The next thing I'm chasing in my funnel, which is a constant discipline reminder for myself, because every now and then I just keep at it. There's one that kind of stalled on me recently. And I just kept calling and emailing, calling and emailing. And I was like, this guy's gone. He's gone. He's, he's ghosting. And finally he responded and it's, it's um, in South America. And he finally said, we, we have not had a chance to look at the, look over the proposal We're we still want to talk to you. I was like, I'm so happy. I didn't give up. Yeah. Yeah. Why didn't salespeople convince themselves? Do you think that people don't want to hear from them? Because ultimately, you know, let's face it, I've actually never been told to F off. I think maybe once. <laughs> and I've been selling for a long time. Um, and I'm pretty persistent. You know, what, I, I wonder what it is that scares people so much. We know the amygdala, the fight or flight rejection um, fear that people have. But we, I, I'm just curious to know um, what it is that stops them from that routine, that ritual. Because some people... They would rather jump off a cliff than be rejected. <laughs> you know, it's bad, isn't it? I, I don't think they want to be rejected, but I also don't think that they want to be a pest, uh, which is weird because if you think about it, the person that you're calling is usually a person that is either, you know, an executive, a business owner, or, or someone who is, has risen to a point where they have made, where they can make decisions like this. And those people, the reason that they've gotten into their role is exact is the exact same thing that you're displaying, mm-hmm. that grind and that grit and that determination. That's why they were elevated into their roles. And on one hand, they might think, ah, this is kind of aggravating. But on the other hand, there's a mutual respect mm-hmm. for willingness to be persistent. What a um, great reminder, Brad. Yeah. It is a great reminder. But I do want to say this because... Being persistent only matters if the target that you're being persistent to is a good fit and is qualified for your organization. So sometimes I see people that are being persistent, going through the motions on a completely disqualified target, someone that's too small. When I think about qualifying, I'm not talking about do they have the budget? Do they have the pain right now? I'm talking about do they fit the profile of companies that typically work with you, with your company? And if they do, be persistent. And if they don't, figure it out first before you become persistent. Like ask questions, mm. dial one for sales, ask the gatekeeper questions, try to figure out if they can actually be qualified. But if they are, you should be persistent. I was just going to ask you if you've got any favorite pre-qualifying types of questions you might ask to get to that answer. Great question. Love that. Yeah. Well, it, it depends on what you sell course. Right. Um, but what I like to do, I, I love calling the sales team inside an organization or talking to the gatekeeper because the gatekeeper knows a little bit about a lot of things. Now, if you phrase your gatekeeper question in such a way, like for instance, for us, we sell sales training. I could ask a gatekeeper, Hey, I'm curious, how many salespeople do you have? And he or she might be like, I don't know. 
I can say, well, do you have more than 50? Oh, yeah. Mm. Which location or something like that. Right, right. All of a sudden, for me, it's like, okay, 50 or more salespeople, that's a pretty decent opportunity for sales gravy. Um, this is qualified, you know? Yeah. And, and so, yeah. so you can ask a gatekeeper an easy question like that or just dial one for sales. And salespeople always answer and they're terrible gatekeepers. And you say, hey, <laughs> hey, Janice, um, hey, what division did I call? She said, oh, this is sales. I said, oh, my name is Brad. I'm in sales too. Answer a couple questions for me real quick. And, and typically they're willing to give you a little bit of time. They won't let you have this long conversation, but you can learn a lot of, a lot of information through people that aren't prepared to take your call. I like that. Getting onto their level. I'm in sales too. So you're, you're automatically sort of being empathetic with them. You know, we do the same thing. And I think there's a lot of that kind of salespeople can be sometimes the worst people, a brushing off salespeople. <laughs> I've been in offices before <laughs> where sales managers have said, well, you just F off and like slam the phone down. And I'm thinking, you teach sales. Come on, guys. Like, you know, it's show them a bit of respect. But I know I've kind of um, made us digress as I do so well. Because um, no, we were talking... You. <laughs> we were talking a bit about um, sales managers um, and the things that came up on, on my LinkedIn and come up from a recruitment perspective. And one thing that often comes up is with top performers. Um, this is something that that you you guys probably might might have come across. Certainly not in sales, Gravy, but being top performers, it might be something that that comes up occasionally. I often feel like because I'm a top performer, I'm singled out when I'm doing really well. But if I make the smallest mistake, that I am like also singled out for the wrong reasons. I want to take more of a backseat so that I'm not always singled out in public. Uh, what kind of advice would you give to that person? So their sales, if, I, if I'm understanding the, the question, their sales manager is singling them out. And it's great when it's good, but when it's bad, it is bad. That's true. Well, that can come from a couple of places. So... Um, one of the things that I often talk about is I don't want to think about your quota. I want to think about what's possible for you. Because if someone has a half million dollar quota and they're doing, you know, 550 sleepwalking through their days, what if they were hitting on all cylinders? Could they do a million? Could they do 2 million? You know? And so when there's somebody like that, I like to push that person because they're not you know, meeting their expectations. They're, 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 not, they're not meeting what they're capable of, is what I'm trying to say. So that might be what the sales manager is doing with this individual. That being said, the sales manager needs to articulate that. I'm going to be tough on you because you're elite and you have so much more in your tank. And you told me the goals that you want to accomplish. And it's going to take, it's going to take us working together to, to get there. Now, the other thing that sometimes that comes from is a, is a position of jealousy. So maybe the sales manager, I'm completely projecting and speculating here, uh, but maybe the sales manager was the very average salesperson and just wanted to be a leader. Maybe this, this, this salesperson is a, kind of a lone ranger and doing excellent without the coaching of the sales manager or despite the coaching of the sales manager. And the sales manager feels that that person's a threat which is strange because they're not. I, I had a boss like that years ago. And I could, yeah. I could recognize it immediately. We were like, we were at the same company and then we were at different companies and we ended up back at the same company, but 
completely different companies. Like it was like he was following me around and then became my boss. And then it was that exact thing. Like there was a major jealousy issue. And the the second I could recognize it, the second I can manage it better. Yeah. So I would I would maybe tell tell your listener to, you know, in, in a non-emotional, like don't don't do this when you're frustrated and angry, but have a conversation and just say, I noticed that you're really hard on me when I'm not doing well. And I just like to understand that because it's very frustrating. And I'm sure that you have a reason for that. And maybe if I understood your reason, it would, I wouldn't be so frustrated. Mm, going back, I love that. Going back to the why. Yeah. What's the why? Going back to the why. Yeah, yeah. I love that. There's managing upwards. We often talk about that. Sorry, I know Gina was a, just interrupted you. Um, <laughs> we talk a lot about, about managing upwards. And I actually think that is the main reason why people quit their role because they're unable to have that difficult conversation which can be a very positive thing doesn't always have to be negative managing up is a is an art form in itself right and so i think a lot of people not just in sales in general don't have that skill set it's not something that is readily taught or thought about but i want to go back to something you said at the top of this susanna when you were asking brad about you had made a comment about millennials and I wanted to jump on this a little bit because I think the other important piece is personas in general. And like we talk about personas when it comes to sales and who are your stakeholders, but personas on your team, right? I fall into, and and Brad probably does too, because I think we're in the same category. I fall into Generation X. Are you in the same category, Brad? Mm-hmm. So Gen X is a different category altogether. Uh, we actually are the cat. We're the generation that's like, do not manage us. We are very autonomous as a generation. And so when you start to look at generational styles, right, because our generation was the first generation to experience, there's a lot of stats on this, obviously, experience a lot of divorce and being on your own. And, and that's the generation of latchkey kids. and. So we're extremely autonomous. We were considered the rebels in the early 90s that we were going to be slackers and do nothing. So we're used to being able to do things on our own. So the second you get in our sandbox as a boss, I'm saying in general, I'm generalizing this, but I just wanted to kind of talk about that for a second because I think there's a difference in that too. We talk about personas, but then there's also generational issues. So a lot of times millennials are like, oh gosh, are you talking about millennials again? They're tired of being talked about, but you are, when you're managing different generations, what are your thoughts on that? Either one of you. I think it goes back to finding out what their why is, because I've heard so much about Gen Z, Gen X, millennials. And the reality is I have come across a lot of millennials that have, that could run circles around me and motivate in terms of motivation, drive and ambition. Yeah. I've run across Gen Zs that could run circles around me and and the reality is, yeah, when when we were young, like you said, Gina, we're slackers, we're ne'er do wells, mm-hmm. we're not gonna make anything of ourselves. You know, the 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 greatest generation probably told their kids that they were <laughs> slackers and ne'er do wells and and the and, and I think it's more just an age and wisdom thing. I think that when you when you get older and you have a mortgage to pay and you've got health mm-hmm. insurance to pay and you have responsibilities to pay. You're not quite as footloose and fancy free as when you are coming straight out of college with great ideas and great vision and no, no 
no thing strapping you. And so your motivations change and your mm. drive and ambition changes. Um, you find out what your why is, you find out what your passions are early on, and then you, and, and then you devote yourself into that and immerse yourself into that. So I think some of it is just the natural age of somebody and the wisdom that they have maybe is, you know, when life happens and things, they have responsibilities, they dig in a little bit more and they become a little more serious. Yeah. See, I'd actually challenge you, Gina. I disagree. I mean, I don't know if I fit into that Gen X, but you do when not I say see, that you are not in Gen X. You're a millennial. Well, you are I, a millennial. I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not telling you how old I am. Um, but from from a perspective of what I've seen from, say, for example, people who are a bit older than you guys, you know, that but maybe a bit higher in the generation. Boom, gap, maybe but, boomers. Boomers. Well, yeah. I, what I see is it's more beat you around the back with a stick. Okay. I, I see now that we're moving more into a management style of tell me what you think you can achieve and let me guide you. Whereas back then, um, it was kind of you will do this or you'll get fired. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's a cultural thing, but certainly in the UK, it's all about employers employees' rights and all about, you know, what I can put my hand up and everyone every company feels that their HR team has to be so strong because the employees will come down on them if they manage them in the wrong way. So my perception of it is that actually you get away with a lot more back then in the older days. And not that you guys are old, but you know what I mean. Um, I, I feel it's changing. And actually, in many ways, I think it's better because people are staying in sales who may have been scared of those types of managers. But I also think it keeps some people in sales who shouldn't be in sales because they get away with a lot more. But there's a lot to be said on that. Um, have I got time for another question for Brad? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. <laughs> the Brad's questions. Another one that comes up constantly, and I've coached people on this before, and I'm keen to know what you say. And this is something that a lot of sales managers are feeling out there, is my boss gives me a million things to do, and I have not got the time in the day to do all of them. I consistently feel like I'm running around like a headless chicken <laughs> trying to complete everything. Um, yet it's never good enough. Mm. I know I need to manage upwards. What advice do you have for me to manage this upwards overload? Go, Brad, go. <laughs> right, well, first of all, I'm shocked that a salesperson would complain that they don't have enough time to do in their day because I've never heard that before. <laughs> Uh -huh. Oh, if I had $5 for every yeah. time I heard that, wait, I'd do. Yeah. Again, it comes down to time discipline. You know, is the sales manager giving them too much to do or are they just not prioritizing? You know, that's going to be, that's going to be something that they're going to have to work on together. Um, do they, are they chasing squirrels? Are they looking at their emails? Are they you know, are they constantly chasing the, the, the thing that needs to be done right now? Or did they block out time and put on blinders and just do one task? And then at the end of that time period, then do another task and then do another task and then do another task. And the reality is, um, like G Gina, I'm sure you do this, in your trainings too. Maybe you do Susanna. I do this exercise where, um, I do a timed exercise and they write their numbers and their letters on a piece of paper. Yeah. Uh, the first time is one to 26 on the left column, and then they do A to Z in the right column. And then the second time they do it, it's 
one and then A and then two, then B. And so they go back and forth with letters and numbers. Mm -hmm. First one is all numbers, all letters. So obviously that's, that's multitasking. Now I have done this 12, 15,000 people that it, it's a part of a lot of my training because time discipline is important and never, ever, ever has group two beaten group one, meaning never has the group that did multitasking beaten the group that did it, you know, all in one order. That's science to me. I mean, zero out of 12,000 people have beaten their second time that, you know, or, or beaten the first time with their second time. And it just goes to show that your brain can't multitask. And so part of the problem, like, again, this is back to micromanaging. This person that is having this challenge is going to have to micromanage their schedule. They're going to have to look at their schedule and make sure that they're blocking time. And then they're going to have to try to weave in the things that their boss is asking them to do. And if they can't do it, then they're going to have to collaborate with their boss to, to figure out, you know, from a priority standpoint, um, which one of these can we let go? And I think that's it. Yeah, I, I, I think that's it. I think it's that conversation that people find difficult because I know for a fact, when I first started management, I was told delegation will make you a great manager. And I see some managers taking that to the next level, to the point that they delegate everything onto their people and they don't realize sometimes that they're managing yes people and yes people can sometimes have imposter syndrome and want to prove themselves to the point that they can't do anything properly because they're just agreeing to it all the time but i've got and, a, i've got and, a comment and a question on that a question for ooh, brad ooh. and a comment um ooh. again that goes back to the managing up piece of it of asking the boss where should I prioritize? Because you've given me these three things and you said these three things are all priorities. I I need to know which one is the top priority, right? So sometimes the boss doesn't realize how much they've given you because they're the boss and they've got bigger fish to fry. So sometimes you have to remind them that that's just my opinion on that. Question wise, we all can relate to this. We at Sales Gravy, we train, we coach, we sell. And so it's very hybrid. And so where my struggle is oftentimes with my calendar, because I agree with you on the multitasking, the way my brain works, I struggle when I have to go from task to task that they're kind of different from each other, meaning, um, okay, now I'm training, now I'm coaching, now I'm selling. Like I, I like to compartmentalize my schedule where I'm in a prospect at this time block and then maybe the next time block is when I do sales presentations. And it's it's easier for me to break it down that way, right? And so in theory, it works. I'd love Brad's opinion on this. But then as a capitalist, like Brad, be like Brad, when I have the potential, like I just got an inbound on LinkedIn today from someone in the UK, Susanna, sorry, but maybe I'll share it with you, that wants to meet with me to talk about selling with humor for accountants. And I'm like, I will find a way to fit him into my schedule. Where am I going to put him in my schedule? Uh, and so now that's going to totally throw off my apple cart of like how my brain functions that I got to squeeze him in somewhere in a time block that is not my sale selling time block. I hope that makes sense. I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, Brad. So you said a lot. Um, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Yeah, so... So things, so the, the very nature of what we do, I, I struggle with that too, because it's like, 
I'm doing an hour and a half class with this company and we're talking about this particular subject and we're on session four and they sell capital goods. And then I'm doing an hour and a half with this company and we're talking about prospecting and they're a SaaS company. And then so like, it's just, you get to constantly reprogram your mind, but you're still time blocking like that hour, that hour and a half is still one specific thing. Allow yourself a few minutes of prep work, you know, in transitioning from one to another, you can never do these things back to back. Now, what you were talking about is, um, is I've got a hot lead that wants to talk to me and you feel like you have to slide everything else off to figure out a way to put it in your schedule. So my question to you is, what if you were just that busy and he had to wait a couple of days to talk to you? Um, yes. Good and one. That busy, would that be compelling or would that be off-putting? Yeah. Good reminder. I've heard you talk about this many times. I am just that busy. I cannot meet with you until next week. Yeah. <laughs> Good They're reminder. Awesome. So, many, so many Brad's, Brad's <laughs> nuggets. Or now, we can Brad, that. Brad, talks so many- a, Brad talks about that a lot. Right. It's it's that scarcity yeah. effect of I'm just that busy that my first availability is not till Tuesday. Yeah. And I love that. I, I, I don't know what it is, Brad, but for a top performer, you come across as so calm, so chilled, like you've got your act together, which was one of the main reasons that we were really keen to get you on the show. But I've also got a question for you and you I think you know what's coming. OK, <laughs> who do you who do you think of? When you think of a woman that your mother warned you about, what do you think of? What do I think of when I think of a woman that my mother warned me about? Wow. Um, I didn't know this was coming. I, I didn't either. So I, I came out of nowhere. I, I had nothing to do with it. There her. we are. We, we, we want a spontaneous <laughs> answer. That, that's, a t- that's a tough question. Um, my mama didn't warn me about didn't warn me about any women. So maybe she <laughs> she fell down as a mom. <laughs> oh no! no. But it's oh. uh, I would say I am intimidated, but also incredibly intrigued by by very strong women that have their stuff together. Mm. I love it because it they, you know they, they they draw you to them. And it's intimidating because it's like, because I want, because I want to outcompete them. I want to out, you know, I want, I want to be a competitor to them. I want to be able to feel like I can go toe to toe with them and whatever the, the field is that we're in. So I would say that women who are ultra high performers, they challenge me, they intrigue me, but they intimidate me a little bit too. Like mm-hmm. I'm like I'm coaching just today, after this conversation that we're having, I'm coaching a woman that, that fits that bill. She's in her late 20s and she is just elite. And um, she's so good at what she does. And, 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 and I'm intimidated because I'm like, what can I possibly bring to her that she doesn't already naturally have? And yet every conversation is great that she gets value out of it. So that, that's what <laughs> I, like, I, I do, I, though. I do. <laughs> I do add value. That's <laughs> awesome. Thank you for being so open to share that. That's great. Yeah. I feel a song coming on, but it don't mean nothing without a woman or a girl. Anyway, yeah, there we are. <laughs> Every now and then she breaks into song, Brad. She's such a good singer. She loved me message on my birthday and I was like, oh my God, this chick can sing. Yeah. Operatic, operatically trained. Beautiful. So as we're drawing towards the end, 
And um, we normally do a truth or dare question, Ugh. but it's actually truth or quiz. So there's nothing, nothing, you know, nothing too outlandish here. Um, so you've got to decide truth or quiz. So I get to select either truth or quiz. Yeah, you do. Uh, I'll let you select. Which one do you want me to answer? Quiz. Okay. Me too. Yeah, it's the same quiz. Because no one ever does that. And I've got a nice one for you because I want to make you look good. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, you don't need any help there. But here we are. So, you got to say, whose quote is this? And we're not, I'm not going to do an accent. In sales, easy is the mother of mediocrity. And in your life, mediocrity is like a broke uncle. Once he moves into your house, it is nearly impossible to get him to leave. Famous quote. I mean, is that not Jeb? That's that's what I think. I think of Jeb. Are you sure? Uh, I'm sure. Answer. It's Jeb Blount. That was too easy. Too easy. <laughs> I need to get these harder. But I, I just, I was looking through my Jeb quotes, dig, digging deep into my books, and I thought that is just such an awesome quote. I'm going to bring that on to the show. So say, say one more. Yeah. Oh, oh, he wants another one. Give him a truth. True. He wants another one. Or another no, he wants a truth. Okay, there we are. You get two. So the truth is, can you tell us one thing that you hope that Jeb never finds out that you've done in sales <laughs> that you're not that you're not proud of? Ooh, ooh. And what did you learn from it? I'm not answering that. And what did you learn from it? I, you asked. I don't know if Jeb has ever has not found out anything that I've done wrong. He's always, is, always finds out. So this is true. But here's what I've learned. Just make him sh make sure, even if you think he might not know, you should let him know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I can answer that question because I feel like he knows everything. Oh, then it's give us an example of something you did find out that you <laughs> learned from. She's just trying to dig for dirt. I mean, I've been working for the man for 13 years now. So, gosh. Wow. There's hundreds. What was your biggest learning point where you, we all got to fail, right? To then learn something. Did you have like an aha moment where you thought, you know what? I'm glad that went wrong because now I know. You know what? Here, I'm going to, I want to jump in on this because Brad's been with there for 13 years and I've been there for two. So there's a quite interesting difference. So I'll, I'll give an answer and then maybe <laughs> Brad will have, here's what I've learned. Saved by the Gina. <laughs> here's what I've learned in my two years. Um, quick transparency is ultimately very important. Quick transparency. So if something did happen that you need, like, first of all, transparency is always king, right? And I'm, and I'm big into transparency and that's not an issue, but quick transparency is important, especially when someone's name is on the shingle, right? Yeah. His name is on the company. So the, the more you can communicate as quickly as possible so he's not surprised down the road. And I think that would go with any leader, with any leader, whether their name's on the company or not, the sooner that they can be in the know on it. And what are you doing with it? What are you doing about it to solve it, resolve it, recover it, et cetera? I don't want to surprise Brad. So if you feel like an account's not going to renew, if you feel like you're going to lose a deal, if you feel like something's going to go on, communicate that with him and, and not not surprise him with with that loss yeah that makes sense and also like gina said saying what you learned from it 
um, so that they don't feel that they have to come to you and tell you what you learned from it. You tell them first because yeah. then you ultimately solve the problem yourself before someone needs to go and put that effort in and tell you. Exactly. So, yeah, good. I feel like I got a lot from this session. I hope, I feel like I've had a free coaching Brad session. I love we it. We need a part two because I've got all kinds of questions for Brad. Maybe we'll have him back for coach. We'll do coaching with Brad. Because it might take a year, but we, we can make it happen. I want to get all of, I want to get all Brad's secrets. You know why? Because I want to be the the woman your mother warns you about and compete with Brad. Oh, you are. <laughs> I'm trying. Intimidated. I'm trying. I'm trying to compete with Brad. You're doing a great job. Trying to get on his heels. Such love. You're an awesome role model. Um, I learned so much from you in all seriousness. I watch a lot of your courses behind the scenes um, in in the areas that I want to be stronger in. And and I'm happy to be working on another project with you with one of your clients. So thank you for all that you do, because I do truly learn a lot from you. Well, I appreciate it. Same. Thank you all. Thank you all for having me today. Thank you, Brad. Thank you. And thank you to our listeners for listening to this episode of The Women Your Mother Warned You About, brought to you by Sales Gravy. And hey, if you want to take your game to the next level, Sales Gravy University is the place to do it. Just go check that out at salesgravy.university. And you can find all three of us there teaching something. So go check that out. And if, if you got value on this episode, go and share that out. Share it. Give it a review love on it and you can find more information about us at women your mother warns you about.com i'm sheena tremarco i'm out of here goodbye you guys and i'm susanna grejo lovely to see you bye but it don't mean nothing without a woman or a girl